You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flom. Chris, busy week. One Kadarius Tony is no longer a New York Giant. Enjoy the barbecue of Kansas City, Kadarius. And here we are about to preview the Seattle Seahawks game. That, honestly, it could be high scoring. It could be low scoring. But I feel like this game has more of a probability to blow up because both of these defenses seem to have some soft spots. While the Giants defense last week really struggled against Jacksonville, Seattle's defense is actually getting a little bit more better I would say over the last couple weeks but were absolutely horrendous earlier in the season but what's your feel on this game and how are you doing buddy (laughs) I'm doing well little little peckish a little hungry right now but other than that I'm doing pretty well my feeling for the game man I this is one of those games where I just don't know what is going to happen because like you said it could be high scoring this game could wind up being a track meet Maybe literally looking at these two run defenses, or we could see both of these defenses kind of assert themselves and wind up having another, you know, 12 to nine game like the NFL has seemed to produce on a weekly basis this year, which, you know, there's an aside on that, maybe something I'm kind of thinking about writing about during our, during the bye week, just, just how bad offense is league-wide this year you know Chiefs and Bills aside (laughs) Chiefs and Bills aside yes and it's also both offenses are seemingly going to not be healthy now the DK Metcalf thing he says he wants to play I'd be a little surprised if he ends up playing in this game after suffering a patellar tendon injury it wasn't a torn patellar tendon but still any kind of injury to your knee like that probably requires a couple weeks off maybe i don't know i'm not a doctor but then on the giant side of things man no ben bredesen no evan neal so you have two new offensive linemen going up to the pacific northwest where you know the 12th man if you want to call him that they're going to be very loud this is another huge traveling game like the giants went to london came back from london to jersey jersey to tampa tampa to jersey jersey the pacific northwest that's a brutal stretch right there luckily they have a bye week after this but the injuries are definitely something that could slow these offenses down a little bit yeah and the seattle seahawks offense anything that can slow them down would help the giants out because Man, they have been on an absolute tear this year. A tear nobody saw coming when Russell Wilson was traded to the Broncos. Like, I mentioned this when we were reacting to the Kadarius Toney trade. The Seattle Seahawks are second in the NFL in points scored. The only team that has scored more points than them is the Kansas City Chiefs. 
nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming when the quarterback battle was Drew Locke versus Geno Smith. And it was like, Ooh, they, they might have the first overall pick and man, they're going to need it. Well, no, they, their offense has been legitimately explosive this year. Geno Smith is playing out of his mind. He, he really is. He, he ranks top 10, top seven in most advanced quarterback metrics. If you just see some of the throws that he's making, fitting the football into these really, really tight, narrow windows, it's wildly impressive. This isn't a fluke. He leads the league in completion percentage right now, and I think he is seventh or eighth in the league in intended air yards. So that tells us that he's not just checking it down. He's throwing the ball deep and he's putting the ball where it needs to be caught. Just going to the chargers game too, Chris, you see some of these throws. Some of them didn't go for a completion, but it's like, wow, I can't believe he even tried to throw it into that window. It takes so much stones to do that. And he actually put it into a catchable spot. Geno Smith playing absolutely ridiculous right now. And he's also the fourth highest on target percentage, according to pro football reference. So he's putting the ball, like I said, where it needs to be. You're talking about better than future hall of famers. And this guy, he's being maximized right now by a coaching staff that is known to run the football. It says a lot about their coaching staff as potential coach of the year type candidates. Obviously, I think it should be Brian Dable. Look what he's doing with this. I don't really think there's an argument, but if there is a number two right now, it's probably Seattle, no? It's Seattle or the Jets. I mean, I'm right there yeah. with you. That the, you know, I, I said after the Jacksonville game, I honestly believe the Giants have the best coaching staff in the NFL right now. You know, three weeks ago, I, I said Brian Dable should probably be coach of the year if he's definitely the front one front runner if not a shoe-in for it Should. but yeah what what Pete Carroll is doing is honestly impressive and you mentioned the Seahawks defense how they they're kind of starting to get better starting to get on track a little bit and the fact that it's, it's the Seahawks and the fact that it's Pete Carroll I think a lot of people have missed that they have they have changed their defensive philosophy it, at least in some ways over, you know, the old Legion of boom, you know, four, three hybrid, basically a four, three front using three, four personnel. And then that cover three defense with Earl Thomas and camp chancellor and Richard Sherman. Yeah. You know, that defense of, from a decade ago is gone. Now they're actually running a, a three, four multiple, a multiple three, four, front that uses a lot of three three down linemen uses yeah a lot of two down linemen puts five six guys up on the line of scrimmage and yes they do still run cover three because this is Pete Carroll but they're also using quite a bit of cover six from what I have seen on tape and that that kind of philosophy shift takes a little bit to get into like it, it takes a little bit of time to gel especially when you have as many young players as they do they do have a lot of young players i mean two of the three starting cornerbacks when they're in nickel are rookies and Tariq wollen who i think leads the league in interceptions and then kobe bryant who was sauce gardner's teammate at cincinnati who by all accounts from what i've seen and i've studied more of the offense and the defense has been having a pretty good season. So you're right. They are young. They brought in Uchenna Nuosu from the Chargers. They still have Jordan Brooks, who they drafted in the first round of 2020. I'm not 100% certain how he is acclimated to being a professional, but in college, it was a little bit of a, 
an odd pick, I think, at the time. So maybe you have some insight on that. And Boye Mafe, who's another rookie, who's an explosive stud, who was a little bit raw coming out of Minnesota, but still an explosive player. Yeah, they, they do. The, the Seahawks have talent on their defense, which is something we I think we wind up saying every week. It's like, yes, the, this defense does give up yards and stuff, but they've got players, which, you know, the, Every team in the NFL has players. I think the the Giants are testament to that. It co- really comes down to the coaching staff getting the most out of those guys. And I I think the Seahawks are kind of on the their arrow is pointing up as far as the coaching really getting really getting traction right now. And at least for me, the most impressive thing that I've seen that they've done it's turned the ball over. You know, they lead the league in forced fumbles. They're up there in uh, interception percentage. Yeah, they're kind of middle middle of the league because Tyreek Woolen has four interceptions tied with Jordan Poyer. Only one other guy on their team has interceptions. They've got five total. So they, they don't generate a ton of interceptions, but as far as just, separating player from ball they're good at that and that is something that does kind of concern me yeah 27 is a problem that's Tariq Woolen out there so he might see some Darius Slayton we'll have to see how Pete Carroll wants to call that their safeties Quandre Diggs he was a good player back when he was with the Detroit Lions I remember, and I'm assuming he's still a good football player, Josh Jones, an explosive player that was drafted by the Packers, now with Seattle. You just look at the defense, and there there are a lot of names that aren't household names. Like Jamal Adams is out with an injury right now, but they're playing better in the last two weeks. They were pretty crappy in the beginning of the year, especially at stopping rushing attacks. I think Taysom Hill didn't it didn't Taysom Hill have his like incredible game against Seattle I think down in New Orleans if I'm not mistaken so they were really struggling with defending running backs they've struggled defending tight ends I believe TJ Hawkinson absolutely torched these guys and went for like two touchdowns and had like an 80 yard catch against them but since they played the Chargers last week and the, the game prior to that they've really solidified and I'm interested to see how the Giants are going to move the football. I think they can move the football, especially the way Daniel Jones is playing. I think this defense must be cognizant of Daniel Jones's legs, or it could be a long day for Seattle's defense. But without two new offensive linemen, a week of preparation, Bobby Johnson, who I trust, I think hopefully the Giants' offensive line will be up for the task to, to contain edge rushers that are modest per NFL standards. Yeah, I I think how the two teams adjust to their injury situations, that could be, that could determine how this game goes. If Phillips, I assume uh, Tyree Phillips is going to start at right tackle in place of Evan Neal. If he is coached up, prepared, ready, I'm not super worried about the Giants offensive line and their pass protection. Yeah, I like you say, the the Seahawks, they've got talent in their front seven, but they're not super super scary. You know, that it it's not like they've got Miles Garrett out there, you know, a guy who is just able to take over and wreck the game. And it does help, I think, that the Seahawks 
don't blitz a whole hell of a lot. I think they're like 20th, 23rd, somewhere around there in terms of blitz percentage. So I, I don't know how many extra rushers the Giants are going to have to account for. I am curious to see how the Giants, A, adapt to their own injuries, especially miss, missing uh, Daniel Bellinger, who has been a huge factor for the Giants on third down in the red zone and in their blocking schemes. Now, that's something we mentioned after the Jaguars game and on our breakdown for that game is, yeah, Tanner Hudson has played well. Chris Myrick has played well, at least by their own standards. But what happens when you don't have that TE1 out there? Yeah, How does that impact the Giants' 11 personnel packages or even their 12 personnel packages? Which is important. Yeah, exactly. And also, another thing I I saw, which honestly, I it surprised me to the point where I it might be a mistake. But at least according to Pro Football Focus, Daniel Jones has only seen three cover six defenses this year. Really? Three snaps against a cover six this year. So I have I, I honestly don't know because we have no really no tape about how Mike Kafka and Brian Dayball would attack a cover six defense, which you know, in our preview posts, I linked to your fantastic breakdown of cover six, you know, quarter, quarter, half. And I have noticed the Seahawks using uh, coverage rules that add some man coverage back into those zone defenses. And you know, that the, the freedom and flexibility that, that, that gives a defensive coordinator yeah i honestly am not sure how the giants will scheme to attack that i know they will scheme to attack it i'm just not quite sure how i'm sure they'll try to run the football use daniel jones's legs and in terms of whenever cover six is rolled out there you know there's a honey hole depending on what that that flat defender does i'm sure that will be attempted to be exploited and just routes will work off of each other. There will be plenty of in-game adjustments. I have full trust in this coaching staff, and I know you do as well, yes. to figure out a way to attack any defense. They've proven it time and time again through the season so far. But in terms of the Giants' offense, those injuries on the offensive line is something that that is a little bit concerning. But as I brought up a little bit earlier, I think Bobby Johnson will get them up to speed on what exactly needs to happen. But when you transition and look at the Seattle offense, Chris, they're not going to be without DK Metcalf. They shouldn't have him, more than likely. I don't think it's been confirmed, but more than likely, like we said. That's going to change the offense a little bit, but we saw them <laughs> against the Chargers where DK Metcalf left earlier in the game turn Olympic track athlete Marquise Goodwin into a smaller, faster version of DK Metcalf. And he ended up getting two touchdowns. And Geno Smith is just putting these absolute dimes. The thing that impresses me the most about Geno Smith right now is he is making every NFL throw. He is making the throw from the far hash to the deep pylon, putting it on a rope, dude, the velocity. He is fitting the ball into tight windows. He is doing everything in his power to basically show the rest of the NFL, like, look, dude, I'm good at football, and I'm actually low-key really happy for him because this whole Seattle situation, the entire NFL world mocked Pete Carroll. They were like, dude, 
you suck. Let Russ cook. Like, what's wrong with you? And then, like, finally, he's like, all right, we're going to bring in Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And everyone's like, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Look at these losers. <laughs> yeah. Look at Geno Smith right now, dude. Like, I don't know if they realize what they had in Geno Smith, if Geno Smith can continue to play like this. Because they did go out and they got Drew Locke in the trade. But again, like, you just bringing in another quarterback when you're trading Russell Wilson. I, I kind of get that. And there was an open camp battle. But, dude, what Geno Smith is doing right now is absolutely unreal. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, he... he Right now, Geno Smith is playing at the level of Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. It, again, like nobody saw this coming. It, people were accusing the Seahawks of tanking. I know before the season, and you know there was one other element to that trade, which was the acquisition of tight end Noah Fant. Which, yes, Will Drisley is the Seahawks' number one tight end, but if they're forced to shuffle things around without DK Metcalf. You talk about Marquise Goodwin, but Noah Fant is also pretty athletic in his own right. And we have seen the issues the Giants linebackers have against tight ends. You know, we saw Isaiah likely get yards on them. We saw Evan Ingram get yards on them. I have to imagine the Seahawks watched those two games and said, hey, we, we got one of those guys. Exactly. I'm sure that they did. And they're going to use a lot of 12 and 13 personnel. They did that when DK Metcalf was there. Now that DK yeah. Metcalf isn't there, you're going to see a ton of Will Disley, Colby Parkinson, who's their third tight end, and and Noah Fant. And the first two that I mentioned, Parkinson and Disley, those guys can block, bro. They can block. They're yes. good blockers. Whereas... Noah Fant, not so much. Noah Fant is more of a receiving threat, but an athlete and a mismatch nightmare whenever he is isolated against Tay Crowder, possibly even Jalen Smith. Because I've we've said this on previous shows, and I think it's worth reiterating. The Giants' defense last week was horrendous. They had no idea where they were supposed to be on a lot of plays. Their alignments were all jacked up. Their run fits were incredibly bad. And I think Jacksonville left so many points on the field because their ball carriers lacked the proper vision to hit the correct hole. So that needs to be rectified. And you're on the road again. Things are going to be loud and they're going to be uncomfortable, a lot more uncomfortable than they were in Duval in terms of the environment, not maybe the weather, but the environment because 
there were a ton of giant fans down there in Jacksonville. So the giants defense, and I'm sure wink Martindale is all over it. They need to be much more disciplined because that was the worst outing that I've seen. And they're lucky the giants that they came away with a win and that Jacksonville failed to take advantage of opportunities that were clearly there. Yeah. And some of that does fall on Travis Etienne. You know, he is explosive. He's got great contact balance. He's fast. He can do a lot with the ball in his hands. His vision You've said it, it's questionable. It's say a little hit and miss. <laughs> yeah, sometimes he misses some holes he should hit. That is not Kenneth Walker's problem. Yeah, you know, the rookie out of Michigan State, he is now the Seahawks' number one running back because Rashad Penny had a season-ending injury back in Week Five, and Walker, he is averaging 6.1 yards per attempt right now he's got hey chris you want to hear something crazy oh go ahead there are four running backs who average more than six yards per carry in the nfl right now two of them are seattle seahawks yeah rashad penny who's hurt yes says something about their rushing attack though and just how good those two running backs are and how good this team is while running the football. And they also have DJ Dallas, who I think averages like 5.1 rushing yards per attempt. So they're getting the most out of this blocking scheme right now, which we'll go over in a little bit, but I'm sorry I cut you off. Oh, no, that that really just does speak to how good they are running the ball. And you know, Kenneth Walker, you know, he was a guy I, I loved coming out because he's got vision. He's got contact balance. He's He's quick. He's agile. And he also runs a 4-3-40, which I think stunned a lot of people when he turned that time because people thought he was more of a methodical runner at Michigan State. I, I don't think people were expecting him to be as fast as he is. And we have seen the Giants, they have their issues defending speed, especially off of the edges. And the thing that concerns me about this game, there's things that concern me and then there are things that are positive. Let's start with the concern first. So the concern is this team does not run a lot of 11 personnel. Okay. They uh, ran 11 personnel 46.8% of the time. That is 29th. No, that's 30th in the league. So that means there's going to be more tight ends on the field. And what does that mean for the Giants defense? The Giants defense is more than likely going to have to use nickel because that's what they do even against 13 personnel. Sometimes they'll do base on first down and stuff like that. But the Giants don't want to have these inside linebackers on the football field. In my opinion, I think they would could if they could, they would run quarter, which is like seven defensive backs, eight defensive backs on the field. But you really can't do that against 12, 13 personnel. I mean, Wink Martindale did, I think, against Green Bay on one or two plays. But I think you're going to see Tay Crowder and Jalen Smith. And Jalen Smith was horrendous against Jacksonville. He was terrible against Jacksonville. He needs to play better. But the positive side of this is, yes, you might not have your favorite personnel package out there because you have to match body types with body types. But Seattle's rushing attack is a zone rushing attack. There's not a lot of eye candy in the backfield. And if you look at where the Giants' run defense has significantly struggled, it's been against power gap. You go back to the game against Baltimore. They were gashed by Kenyon Drake on power gap. You go back to last week. There was more power gap than zone. 
but I think it's the eye candy in the backfield that really gets these giant second level defenders out of position and forces hesitation. Seattle doesn't motion all that much. So that's one thing that could work in the Giants advantage. I still think Seattle's going to get theirs running the football against this defensive front. But that's one observation that I had where I was like, well, maybe we go back to week one against Tennessee. It was a long time ago. What do they run a lot of? Stretch zone, wide zone. Giants defense was all over Derrick Henry in that game. So that's one thing I hope can materialize in this game, Chris. But either way, this is a pretty potent rushing attack. And those giant linebackers are not in position often. Yeah, it it really is. It's I, I think uh, I think Wake Martindale really tipped his hand as to how he feels about the Giants linebackers when he gave Xavier McKinney the mic. You know, when he made him the uh, the captain also, of the defense. I also the, of the defense. <laughs> I think he's the quarterback of the defense, though, because you want to take your linebackers off the field in certain personnel packages, and Xavier McKinney. He's going to be on the field. Off. He's never coming off the field. That that's yeah. why he got the green dot, and that didn't sit too well with Blake Martinez. And then Blake Martinez wasn't voted captain. And the next thing you know, he's not on the team anymore. And it was reportedly an amicable breakup. So that's uh, water under the bridge. I'll tell you this though: Giants could freaking use Blake Martinez right now. Yes, they could. People are like, "Oh, he's not a scheme fit." It's like is Tay Crowder and Jalen Smith a freaking scheme fit? Like, what does that really <laughs> mean? Like, Blake Martinez could be used, and he would be the best linebacker on this team if he was still here. But that's not the case. So we're working with what we have in Tay Crowder and with Jalen Smith. So it's a uh, it's a little nerve wracking, I think, but I'm not opposed to the thought that Wink Martindale will figure this out and that the New York Giants run defense will be a little bit better. Hopefully they just need to be more disciplined, Chris. And they just were not last week. Last week was bad. It, it was not good. No. And I, I do think that the Giants were trying to respect Trevor Lawrence because he is a hell of an athlete in his own right. He can run. He can hurt you on the ground with his legs if you don't pay attention to him, if you lose track of him. The way opposing defenses kind of have a tendency to do with Daniel Jones. And I I think part of the part of the problem with the Giants is they, they didn't want Trevor Lawrence to beat them, his own self. Uh like you said, they they were out of position a lot. And I I I can really see this this game going one of two ways for the Giants. Either their defense steps up, you know, really ties down some of the issues they they have been having, especially in the last couple of weeks, and they really take advantage of the Seattle Seahawks tackle situation where they've got two rookie tackles right now, which you know, like you said in in our reaction to Kadarius Tony's trade, uh, Wink Martindale has to be salivating at the proposition of unleashing his blitz schemes and pressure packages and stunts and twists and all of that, all of those things he loves to call against two rookies and having Kayvon Thibodeau going up against rookies, especially at the end of the game when Thibodeau steps up every single time. Or the the other side of it is big plays have been there for opposing teams. You know, that's something we've seen pretty much every week. Even the Bears were able to find some big plays down the field. And with Geno Smith playing the way he is, and you know, they still have Tyler Lockett. Yeah, he's 30, but he can still play. They still have Marquise Goodwin, 
who is somehow 32, which it feels like now nah, he can't be that old. And also, how is he still in the league? He's been he's been in the NFL for the last 20 years, it seems like. And they do also have Will Will Disley, and they've got Noah Fant, and they've got Kenneth Walker, and they've got guys who can who can who can get that big chunk yardage and make explosive plays happen. So if the Giants don't have the discipline we want to see from them on defense, they could really wind up in a pick your poison situation where okay you come downhill and defend Kenneth Walker you're not getting beat on the ground but then you know maybe you've got guys getting isolated deep and Geno Smith finding them just playing out of his mind and it's also something too to note that Seattle's offense ranks third right now in explosive plays like they're creating explosive plays. I think they have 20 through the air. So it's not even like they're all just running. And that says something about Geno Smith. I think you're right. Like we touched on with the Kadarius Tony reaction pod. There's going to be a lot of twists up front whenever the Giants do bring four man pressures, I think targeted at each of those tackles. So you're going to be looking at ET type of twists where the end goes inside and then the tackle loops around. So that's going to free up Dexter Lawrence. Leonard Williams, presumably. And then I think you're also going to see more pressure than what we saw against Jacksonville to try and and, and generate something against Geno Smith. But you also got to, you bring pressure, you got to make sure that Seattle's not running the football because if you bring pressure, that could compromise your run fits. And that's something that the Giants struggled with last week against Jacksonville. So that's kind of a give and take. But overall, I I hope, and I, and I think, and I, and I hope, that the Giants will be more disciplined in terms of their run defense. They have to be, because if they're not, they're going to lose this football game. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I would be surprised if we see them as far out of position as we saw them last week against Travis Etienne. Like I, I don't expect Kenneth Walker to be ripping off nine yard per carry runs, you know, just averaging nine yards per carry like Etienne was. I don't know if we're going to see a complete 180, a complete transformation of this run defense, but I do expect it to be better because I think they should expect themselves to be better. They should. And right before we get out of here too, Chris, the first play of the game for Geno Smith and his offense, this offense that a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, they run the football. That's what they do. They came out in empty 12 personnel. Empty 12 personnel, three by two set. DK Metcalf was the number three, so the innermost receiver. He ran a stick route, and it was covered really well. Geno Smith goes to the stick and goes to the double out routes from the number two and the number one. Nothing there. This guy works back to the backside dig and finds Will Disley, a tight end on the backside dig for 16 yards on the first play. Like, that's capable, man. Like, it's hard to work through your progressions like that and then find that backside dig that's not a wide receiver and deliver the football on the first play of the game when you're supposed to be a running offense. I'm just trying to paint the true picture that this isn't just a running offense. Like, this guy, he's legit right now. He's playing at a legit level. Can it be maintained? We'll see. But that's 12 personnel working the backside dig, man, on the first play of the game. It's, it's um, Geno Smith right now, bro. <laughs> Yeah, he he's just playing at a very high level. That is that is the kind of high pro level processing that 
and that you don't see all that often. I don't think we really saw much from him earlier in his career. And yeah, you know, honestly, that that's something you don't see a whole hell of a lot of in the league at large, where guys, teams aren't running five read progressions anymore. Yeah, you know, that era of football is largely past. And honestly, it's kind of a gutsy call to open a game that way, to open up throwing, open up in an op- empty set, have your tight ends running those routes, which not easy for tight ends to run, and then trusting your quarterback that, again, most people thought you were tanking when you started him, and then he's executing that. You know, this Gino thought the stick was going to be open. Like He was like, oh, I'll just get this quick, easy three, four-yard completion to DK Metcalf, and it was covered well, and he still had the wherewithal to to go through his progressions, work to the – like. It's just an impressive play. Yes, very, very much so. So, yes, the Giants are six and one. Yeah, I I think we're both picking them to win this game, but I did not actually. I I picked Seattle to win. I'm wondering if I'm the only one on Big Blue Views staff to pick that. It's no knock on the Giants. I think the Giants are a good football team who are well-prepared, who are very well-coached. I think Seattle is a well-coached football team as well. The DK Metcalf injury thing, I think, could definitely lead the Giants to winning this football game. Would not be shocked if the Giants win this football game by any means. But I think if we see the persistent problems that we saw all week last week, essentially, against Jacksonville on the defensive side, I don't think you're going to beat. Kenneth Walker in this rushing attack. And as I said, after going over the film against Jacksonville, Jacksonville could have scored so many points. They, the points were there. They shot themselves in the foot and just didn't seize the moment. There were so many cutback lanes and so many, just not even cutback lanes, like primary lanes where Zay Jones or Travis Etienne or Christian Kirk could have cut the ball upfield and it would have been an easy touchdown or just another 20 yards. And for whatever reason, they didn't. They basically led themselves into defenders who were being blocked it just was wild for me to see on tape i haven't seen that yet this season so that defense of the giants needs to get solidified i can easily see them winning the new york giants but i did end up picking seattle in the in the big blue view tally site thing yeah that, that's what i was going to say like the, the seattle team i think is legit and i think they're better than their record would suggest which is kind of the same thing we said about jacksonville last week and they are definitely better than their record would suggest and even though they did leave a lot they left points on the field they left a lot of meat on the bone and they made some we'll say questionable decisions which i am still trying to figure out the doug peterson's clock management and calling the t- the timeouts at like 11 30 in the fourth quarter and then what was it 707 you know that it, that was very curious to me I agree. I, I felt like Peterson got away from it a little bit. I was really impressed with what he did in the first you know, half and then even a little bit into the third quarter, that first drive. But he definitely strayed away from it. But Chris, do you have anything else on this matchup against Seattle? Yeah, you know, I honestly, I as I said, you know, opening this podcast, I really don't know what to expect from this game. It could be a defensive fight, just another win-ugly type game or it could wind up being a track meet and, you know, flip a coin as to which one it's going to be. And I'm not sure anyone would have called that at the beginning of the season, either outcome. I'll say this though, before we get out of here, 
the Giants can get the Seattle Seahawks into the fourth quarter, close game, one score game, which is definitely possible. Who has those fourth quarter stats? Who is great at adjusting in the fourth quarter? Who has the momentum and the confidence in the fourth quarter? The New York Giants, baby. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com for all of our written content like subscribe to the podcast and let's go giants let's get this win up in the pacific northwest prove me wrong even though i think they can win but i did pick seattle to win put the egg on my face thank you everybody have a good day claude 3 from anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise ai with models at every point of the price performance curve you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence speed and cost Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.